Hi again, everybody. Thanks for joining us on localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm Tim Muma, and you're listening to Management Decisions, where we focus on issues critical to management personnel and employers in general. I'm sure most of you listening out there have been aware of the situation going on with the NFL as they've been dealing with running back Ray Rice, who was released by the Baltimore Ravens and suspended by the NFL for domestic violence abuse against his wife. Now, that begs the question, however, what sort of policy should all employers have regarding domestic violence, especially when it's not occurring at work? To get the details on this subject, we have Gary Young on the line. Gary is a partner with Skarinsi Hollenbeck and a gentleman with 40 years experience as an attorney in labor and employment law, as well as employee benefits. And he joins the show right now. Gary, thanks for coming on with us. And my pleasure to be here. Well, I wanted to start off just simply by asking you, because you're obviously in this sort of area. Is the idea of domestic violence and how it might impact the workplace and policy, has this been something that's been ignored, just recently come to the forefront? What's been your take on it? Well, it's an interesting question. Employment law is evolutionary. Its very nature is to be evolutionary. The expectations of an employee and or an employer, let's say in 1950, are significantly different today than it was then. So we kind of go down a road and and many times the legal standards and expectations of the workplace evolve. And, and, And in this case, domestic violence and policies against domestic violence are, I would say, relatively new, Mm -hmm. but say also relatively up till now ignored. But at the same time, I, you know, just trying to prepare for this today, I looked and I saw that there were articles and other papers published in the last, let's say, 15 years, whereby uh, there's beginning to be a recognition of the effects of domestic violence and also an evolving view as to what employers should or or may be required to do. Right. Now, I know some people would argue that in most cases, they're going to say, well, what happens at home really isn't the employer's problem. It's not their business. What would your initial response be to someone who brought that up as their argument? I would say that whether we like it or not, employers often get involved in many things that occur in people's lives. Mm-hmm. For better or for worse, it becomes to some degree their their burden and responsibility. But look, uh, let's understand. You, you, all you have to do is look at the newspapers or or listen to the news, and you'll hear of instances where an enraged husband comes into the workplace and and does something terrible to a spouse. Sure. And you have all the workers um, uh, around that spouse being affected uh, and sometimes getting killed, literally, by someone who comes into the workplace. So the domestic violence doesn't just stay at home. It comes to the workplace as well and does have its impacts on coworkers and the employer itself. Let's touch on that a little bit. Obviously, the sort of scenario you brought up is, of course, worst case scenario and probably in the back of someone's mind that that could happen, but maybe more on a generic level or in something that might happen more frequently. What are some of the other impacts that could occur in the workplace as far as productivity or something else that could occur on a daily basis simply because you have this issue going on with an employee? I think that what I'd like to do is start with Something I found interesting when I um, recently, the ABA, the American Bar Association, came out with a model domestic violence policy for employers to consider adopting. Mm -hmm. In support of that, they cited a number of interesting statistics, and I'll just take a moment to provide a few of those. It says, domestic violence intersects with employment in myriad ways. A 2006 national survey found 21% of full-time employed adults, respondents, men and women, 
identify themselves as victims of intimate partner violence. That's a term of art. The same study reports that 64% of domestic violence victims found that their ability to work was impacted by abuse. 40% experienced harassment by an intimate partner at work, Hmm. either by phone or in person. And 34% reported that fear of intimate partners, unexpected visits, cause reduced productivity. And it goes on. So what I would say is that uh, we have to understand, sure, you, you can look at the most graphic examples of this, but in fact, this is something that is more prevalent than many of us ever realized, and at the same time has many, many impacts in work. Another part of uh, some of those surveys and the research that was out there was the idea that, again, I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about was the potential cost to an employer when it comes to things like insurance and health care. Can you maybe get into that a little, how that would impact the employer from that point of view? Well, especially in the world of ACA, you know, we're looking more and more at costs of insurance being directly impacted by experience, which is something that was not true before the adoption of the ACA. Moreover, just in terms of people being absent from work, Mm. claiming family medical leave uh, because they've been injured by a domestic partner and other impacts such as that, it does affect unemployment insurance. It can affect your your rate of unemployment insurance as well. If someone has to leave their job because they they have to leave that domestic um, situation and maybe move out of state, all these things happen. And in their own ways, they impact the employer in in many ways that that cost them money. Similar to uh, some of these items you're talking about here, another number that came up was more than three quarters of abusers reported that they used employer resources in order to, you know, whether it's the stalking situation or it's utilizing the email, that kind of thing. Is that a crime to utilize employers' uh, equipment to do something like that? Is that something that literally falls into sort of a, the criminal side of things? First, and uh, let me just say that the use of employer facilities uh, in order to harass the uh, partner who is working for the employer is fairly common. Hmm. And of course, is an abuse of that employer's uh, resources and also impacts the productivity that the employer would otherwise expect to have at the workplace. But then, yes, uh, the whole issue of domestic violence, as we're seeing in the Ray Rice case, in the Adrian Peterson case, where the perpetrator is actually being subjected to the process of criminal law, indicted, is going to be tried. In the case of, um, I guess it's the Ravens, uh, that's and, and the Minnesota Vikings, they're losing the productivity of their players. I'm not, I'm not trying to in any way excuse that. But, you know, the criminal process, that's my point, does right. get into the act. And sometimes it's uh, with, the, with regard to the abuser, and sometimes it's the abused that ultimately whatever is occurring can not only involve the criminal justice system, but actually be a, a criminal act itself. That's another area where people have brought up the idea of what is applicable for an employer to do and what isn't. Um, The example always comes up that if an employee is, say, a bus driver and they're arrested for drunk driving, that seems like a clear-cut case of of that there'd be a policy that they would be terminated. In a case like this where, say, it's just a general office employee, they have this domestic violence charge that comes up against them. I mean, where does the punishment lie there? Where is the discipline? Is that something that can go into the policy? I mean, how does that all work? Well, I think that's one of the more problematic and troubling uh, aspects of trying to have an effective policy is, you know, where do you draw the line? Right. Uh, what responsibility uh, morally, ethically, legally, from a policy point of view, 
where do you draw that line? And uh, unfortunately, as it often is the case in, with dealing with human actions and activities, it's very hard to regulate, and there's no bright lines as such that you can point to where you can say, well, okay, you did this, well, that's grounds for you to be terminated. And then you'll find that that employee, that former employee, has gone to some employment lawyer and now, now suing you for wrongful termination. Hmm. So I think one of the things that helps to protect, not altogether, but I think goes a long way, is to actually have a policy that you know meets certain requirements that are suggested in the ABA's uh, model policy. And then you still have uh, many times a conundrum in terms of how do I deal with this and how far do I go in taking some type of what might be a negative action against either uh, the employee and or you know do something in relative to the abuser if it's not an employee. Sure. The truth of the matter is, is it's never easy. And that's true you know, where we have a, a, perhaps a, a little bit more experience is, for example, in the area of workplace uh, harassment, where we have you know, uh, fairly well-established policies, and we know that we uh, have a, an affirmative duty as employers to maintain a workplace that's free from harassment. And by the way, in many instances, this domestic violence can easily cross over into that area right. and come within the purview of that policy. So, you know, it, it gets tricky. It gets tricky. And I think that what I would say to employers, if I were counseling them, is you probably should, uh, not probably, you should give great consideration to adopting a policy. Perhaps since everything evolves, you don't have to have a full-blown policy like the American Bar Association's policy goes on for pages and pages. Mm -hmm. But there are certain elements of that policy that I think are basic and probably should be incorporated into the policy. And then you go from there and you'll, there's a learning curve in all this in terms of what should be in a policy and how do you adopt that policy. But the American Bar Association recommends certain components to any kind of workplace domestic violence policy. And those are definitions. And definitions are important because if you don't define your terms, then you get into a due process issue of whether you've properly uh, warned people of uh, the activity and the, and the conduct that you're trying to focus on. And mm -hmm. discrimination and retaliation language. You know, many times the problem is that the person who's being abused often suffers the consequence of that by virtue of the losing their job or in other ways being disciplined because they didn't come to work on time or they took excessive time off, et cetera. Sure. So that has to be in there. A description of the persons covered by the policy. Confidentiality, of course, is essential that you try to maintain the confidentiality of this and outlining employer responses to persons suffering domestic violence uh, to employees, contractors, students, or, or victims, or perpetrators. In other words, everybody should understand you know, what's going to happen, at least to some degree, and how it applies to them. And that brings us really to another point that a lot of employers will bring up, and that's the idea of, say, their employee is the one being abused in some way, what responsibility does the employer have to help in the situation, to be some sort of, of aid, whether it be with the HR department or however that might work? Are there laws that govern that? Is it similar to what it would be if the violence or the harassment was happening in the workplace? How does that all come together? Well, what I've been able to see is that right now, most governments are trying to bootstrap other laws and try to impose some responsibility on the employer to respond appropriately by virtue of uh, their possible violation of other laws, whether it be 
anti-discrimination laws, workplace harassment laws, okay. et cetera, et cetera. There are not too many states that actually require right now a domestic abuse uh, policy. I'll give you one example, though. New York, for example, has a, a policy where the, the public employer has to have that policy. And they also inform the public about the policy against abuse. And they, they try to bring you know some resources to the uh, public and private employers and try to bring that into you know bring them into the purview of that. In fact, I, I looked it up and they have a piece what they call "What Employers in New York State Need to Know: Domestic Violence and Employers' Legal Responsibility." And I'll just go. It's not too long. One, you cannot punish an employee who is a victim of domestic violence for taking time off to go to court. Two, it may be illegal to discriminate against or fire an employee because she, and probably should say he, is a victim of domestic violence. Three, if an employee quits or leaves her job, and again, it's always assuming the female, which I think is interesting, because of the violence, that should not bar her from receiving unemployment insurance benefits. And that's one of the things that everybody seems to focus on, is that you should really shouldn't be trying to prevent people from getting unemployment if they have to leave their job because they are victims. And then it goes on to talk about New York State public employers who must have a policy, must perform a workplace evaluation or risk evaluation, and, and you know, and speak about that. But I, I guarantee you, it's only a question of time now that people's the public's awareness has been heightened sure. that we're going to see more and more governments adding uh, requirements relative to this. Well, I do think it's helpful and interesting to hear some of those points you just brought up from New York, and obviously you mentioned the American Bar Association and their guidelines there that they've adopted maybe as a, an outline maybe for employers who are thinking about some of these policies. So I think, uh, I think that'll help our listeners. And I appreciate you bringing those up. We are getting up against the clock, but I wanted to give you the last chance here to leave a final message for our listeners regarding this topic, something you feel is important or would like to emphasize a good takeaway from our conversation today. Sure. My recommendation to all employers, and, and quite obviously, responses are always geared to the size of the employer and its resources. So, you know, you can scale things back appropriately if you're a small employer. But I believe that, one, I always recommend that employers have a handbook, policies, and that they be published uh, not not only in writing, but that the employer discuss them. And in in the case of workplace harassment, for example, that there actually be some training, both for the employees in general, as well as to uh, train supervisors on how to respond to that. And I would just say that, you know, everybody, uh, all employers should consider adopting a policy. It doesn't have to be as, as elaborate as the American Bar Associations, but there are certain essentials that I enumerated earlier that should be incorporated into that policy. And they should, it should be published and it should be discussed with employees so that they know that they have a, an outlet and that there is a, a, a rational uh, policy to give them aid if necessary. And lastly, to the extent that employers have employee assistance programs, for example, they should gear or coordinate that program with their domestic violence policy and attempt to uh, provide uh, appropriate and effective assistance to the employees that are suffering the abuse at home. And with that, we will wrap up this edition of Management Decisions as we've been talking about domestic violence and the need for a policy in the workplace to help deal with those issues. To do so, we have been talking with Gary Young. Again, he's a partner with Skarin C. Hollenbeck, an attorney with plenty of experience in this area. Gary, thanks once again for coming on the show, sharing your insights with us. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. And as always, you can reach out to us via email, ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com is where you can send us your thoughts and feedback. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at the LJN. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. 
Take care, everybody.